0: Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. The title of the message today, in the Embrace the Cross series, is Encounters with the Risen Savior. And our final message in this series encourages us, I believe, to seek personal encounters with Jesus. Uh, We're going to explore some stories of his post-resurrection appearances and and how they inspire us in our faith and our journey with God. Now, uh, realize that we don't worship a dead Jesus, we worship a living Jesus. And that's important to understand. And uh, maybe you revere a dead Jesus. If so, you need to encounter Jesus, the risen Lord. And also, if you recognize an earthly Jesus, which we need to, you also need to encounter the risen Jesus. And so that's important. So this morning, uh, I have this statement because as we approach the word, we're going to the word of God. And the Word of God is truth that we live by. It's the standard that governs our life, our decisions, our actions, and how we relate to others, how we engage the Lord and all that. But realize this, that circumstances cannot change the Word of God. But the Word of God can change your circumstance. So you may be dealing with some circumstances and you don't know how to address it, It's not going to change God's word, but the word will change that circumstance as you receive it and embrace it. So receive the word this morning. And we're going to start out with two passages that we're going to pray. The first is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And this particular verse addresses the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the second passage we'll read is found in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So we'll read those two, and then we're going to pray. First Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So through his resurrection, we can be born again. We can be made alive unto God and possess a living hope We have a reason to live. We have a purpose to live for. And so I love that passage. And many times it's shared on Easter Sunday, but it's appropriate to share it within the context of this series. Then also Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1, and give you a little backdrop of the uh, writer of, of Acts. It's Luke. He also wrote the book of Luke, but he was a physician. He was articulate in how he Uh, Wrote things and how he laid things out. And so uh, we see, I believe, this scripture here is relevant for the message we're sharing today. And it starts out, Acts 1, starting at verse 1 says, The formula account I made, that's in reference to his book, the Gospel of Luke. He says, O Theopolis, he's writing this, it was uh, to a guy called Theopolis. He said, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began, both to do and teach, verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So there's infallible proofs concerning what he did through his resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. And as we pray this morning, we want to be mindful of the crisis in the Middle East uh, and praying for God to intervene in what's happening there right now. We need the wisdom of God for our leaders to make right decisions. Amen. Heavenly Father, we approach the throne of your grace by invitation from what we see in Hebrews chapter 4. And we come with confidence, knowing that we can make our requests known to you. And Father, we continue to pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for Palestine. And we pray, Father, for peace to enter into this conflict for there to be a resolve. Father, we pray that you would move and engage the hearts of people. Father, we pray for revival to come to the Middle East, that you would move by your spirit to turn hearts away from evil and anger and hatred to you. In Jesus' name, we ask for your wisdom, your insight, your understanding for those making decisions. We pray against the spirit of hatred through Hamas, that would kill, steal, and destroy. In Jesus' name, we pray for salvation and full deliverance of the lost in that region of the world. In Jesus' name. And we pray, Father, for this congregation and those that have tuned in online, that you would prepare their hearts to receive your word, that your word, Father, would make a difference today in their life, giving them perspective, giving them insight and understanding that they can live out in their lives. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, are you ready? Yes. And again, this is the conclusion of this series, Embracing the Cross. And we've mentioned that to embrace is an expression of affection. It's a show of great love when you embrace. To embrace literally means to accept with the whole heart. And so that's really been kind of the the reason for this series and asking you the question, are you willing to totally accept the power of the cross of Jesus Christ in all of its greatness to impact your life? Because if you are, I believe God's going to give you revelation and he's going to allow you to have an encounter with him. Uh, This has really been my challenge for you during this series, for you to embrace and accept the cross of Jesus Christ personally, for your life, for your household, and for your family. And it's not that we're just hugging a cross of wood, but we're embracing all that Jesus Christ stands for. It stands for truth. The cross of Jesus stands for truth. It stands for salvation. It stands for deliverance. It stands for healing. It stands for peace. It stands for love. It stands for forgiveness. And all the wonderful things that Jesus accomplished for us. Because it was through the cross that he made salvation and redemption available to every human being on the planet Earth. Now, the first week we talked about the cost of the cross and what it really cost God through the sacrifice of his son. And then the next week, Pastor Tim talked about the crucified life, which is really our identification with the person of Jesus Christ. And he shared Galatians uh, 2.20 which says, uh, Apostle Paul is, is sharing in this word, and he states, It's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who died and gave himself for me. And so that's a powerful passage, and I think that uh, encapsulates so much of, of our walk with God. It's not Matt Malik that's living anymore, but it's Christ that's living in me and through me. And he's transformed and changed my life. I was talking with Dustin before service this morning, and he was telling me concerning his past, he says, I don't even identify with that person who I was anymore. I'm so different. I'm so changed. My life is radically different than it was uh, years ago. And so that's what happens when Jesus encounters a person. There's a radical change that takes place. It's not passive. It needs to be radical. And if you haven't had a radical encounter with Jesus, I think it's time. You overdue. okay? So uh, on Baptism Sunday, we talked about being made like him. In 1 John 4, 17, we looked at the scripture that says, as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world the life of Christ is reflected and manifest in us. In Romans eight twenty nine, we saw how that the purpose of God is that we're conformed to the image of his Son. And, and, and realize that, did you know that the word Christian was actually a derogatory term that was first used to address believers at the time of the early church? Because Christian means Christ-like or little Christ. So people were saying, oh, they're just little Christ's. They're just trying to be like Jesus. They're just trying to look like him, talk like him, and do what he did. And, and really, that's what it's all about. But it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, that's manifest to the world around us. Okay. And, so, and then Pastor Sam, oh, that was an amazing message last week. Did you enjoy that? He talked about the victory of the cross, uh, which is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead through which we are made alive to God. We're made alive to him. And I, Pastor Sam reminded us of the sacrifice that Jesus made that would bring freedom to all who believe in him. Have you believed in him? If you have, there's freedom for you. Uh, Jesus saw the cross in its pain and still laid down his life for us, knowing that many would inherit eternal life through him. And this is a scripture I, I want to share with you because I was thinking when Pastor Sam was ministering last week, this scripture came to mind. It's found in Romans 8.11. Romans 8.11. It specifically speaks of the power of the resurrection and how it can have a radical impact upon us. Romans 8.11. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and that's referring to the spirit of God, He who raised Christ, the Father God, from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is speaking of immortality. The fact that through the resurrection, we can live forever. You don't have to go look for the fountain of youth. You just need to look to find Jesus and accept him. Because that gives you something so incredible. It's called the eternal life. We get to live forever in perfect harmony with God, without sickness, without disease. Um, I tell you, it's exciting, isn't it? E.M. Bounds, and he's an author who, who wrote, he's a minister of the gospel, who wrote a lot on prayer, the subject of prayer. He makes a statement, and if we can have this on the slides, that would be great. It says, all God's plans have the mark of the cross on them. And all his plans have death to self in them. And that's what that's what's required of us to die to self so we can live for him. You never live for Jesus until you die to self. Putting your selfish interest first will not get you far in the kingdom. And see, I believe that selfishness is one of the, Greatest issues that we deal with in our personal lives. We're just, human nature is basically selfish. But it's putting self aside so we can live for a greater purpose. And that's allowing Jesus to have his way in us. Amen. So, encounters with the resurrected Christ. I believe, and if you're writing notes, you might want to take this down. I'll start again. Encounters with the resurrected Christ result in living the life that you were meant to live. I'll share that again. Encounters with the resurrected Christ result in living the life that you were meant to live. One of the most important things you need to know about a genuine encounter with Jesus is that you will never be the same once you encounter him. You'll never be the same. You might say, well, I never uh, changed after... I gave my heart to Christ. Well, did you really give your heart to him? Did you really have an encounter with him? Because if you did, your life cannot and will not remain the same. So I believe every encounter with Jesus, and you can write this down too, every encounter with Jesus is personal, impactful, and transformational. It's personal, impactful, and transformational. When we encounter, or when we actually consider encounters with the risen Savior. There's four aspects that I'm going to share with you today. Not three points, but four. And I'm going to give them to you in advance. Okay, so those of you that want to get these points, you won't miss them because I'm giving them to you right now. So there are actually four aspects I want to share with you. The first is past encounters. Past encounters. And that's the historic look in view of what we're talking about today. And then number two, present encounters with Jesus. Present encounters with Jesus. And then number three, personal encounters with Jesus. God wants you to have a personal encounter with him. And then the fourth one, future encounters. There are future encounters coming for you to encounter Jesus in your life. And Uh, an encounter is one of those things where you engage at a level that is impactful, that can make a difference in your life. And so I, you know, one of the prayers I pray a lot for people, especially if they don't know the Lord, I pray that they have a personal encounter with Jesus. Because I know when they do, things are going to change. They won't remain the same. Now, so let's look at past encounters. Again, this is historic. Did you know on the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, the first day, there are five biblical encounters mentioned on the first day of his resurrection. And we see references to each one. Now, early morning, the first one was Mary Magdalene, uh, who this woman was messed up. She was demon-possessed. She was a prostitute. She had issues in her life. But it's amazing that she was the first to witness Jesus in his resurrected body when he rose from the dead. And we see that reference in John chapter 20, verses 16 and 17. And then there were other women, uh, possibly Mary of of Clopas and Mary, the mother of James and, and Jonah. And that's referenced in Matthew 28, 8 through 10, where they encountered the risen Christ. And then we see in Luke 24, 34, Peter uh, encountered Jesus, and then the two disciples on the road to Damascus—or not Damascus, but Emmaus—that's that's later. Paul had that one, the, the Damascus road. But Emmaus, these two guys were journeying along, and you know Jesus comes along and walks with them, and they didn't recognize Jesus. You know, maybe they were just kind of discouraged because Jesus was dead, and you know. Their whole future was shattered because now what do we do? Jesus is dead. He's not with us. How are we going to live and go forward from here? And so, now, and we'll talk a little bit about that one. But then the the other, the fifth encounter of Jesus on the first day of his resurrection was he shows up in a locked room with the disciples. Except Thomas didn't show up. He wasn't there, so he can't, you know. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But turn with me to Matthew. Not Matthew, but Luke 24. Luke 24, sitting at verse 30. And uh, to give you a little backdrop what happens before, again, I, I shared how you know, these two disciples are walking, and Jesus joins them. They're walking to Emmaus, and uh, they want to get there and, you know, check into the hotel or whatever, wherever they're going. And, and Jesus starts talking about and asking them questions and Jesus starts sharing from the scripture about Jesus what he needed to do and, and what had to happen, his death and his resurrection and, and all that and, and then I was taking it up in verse 30 because they're sitting down they're getting ready to eat a meal it says when he was at the table with them he took the bread, this is speaking of Jesus, and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, verse 31 and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Now let's pause there for a moment. I think about this. It wasn't until Jesus did something they were familiar with that they recognized him. I mean, if these were disciples and they were with Jesus for three and a half years or at least part of that time, uh, how could it be that they didn't recognize him right away? But it's when he did something they were familiar with then they recognized who he was. And, and so what a moment of revelation. Verse 31 again. And their eyes were open. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Poof. He's gone. Oh, What? Can you imagine those two guys? We're walking with him. He's talking. We recognize who he is and he's gone. And so they got up and they went back to Jerusalem. Because they got to tell the other disciples, guess who we just met? Guess who we just journeyed with? You know, it goes on to say, verse 32, I love this. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures? See, Jesus looked for opportunities to share the word with others, you know, and, and, and I'm, I, I kind of like that. I mean, get around my wife. I'm always looking for an opportunity to share the scriptures with someone if they'll listen, if they'll hear. And so, but that's what Jesus did then. Um, verse thirty-three, and they rose that same hour and returned to, to Jeru- Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together. Verse thirty-four, saying, "The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon." So again, you know, Simon Peter also experienced the risen Lord, that day. So Thomas was missing. That's why you don't like to miss church. Because if you miss church, you might miss out on Jesus encountering the congregation, okay? (laughs) And so Thomas, who knows? Maybe he had other things to do. Maybe he slept in that day. Who who knows what? Uh, But you know what? I love this because Jesus came back for him and met him where he was at. Because the verse um, in chapter 20 starting at verse 19. This is of of John. If we turn to John, John chapter 20, Uh, we'll take up this story. In John chapter 20, starting at verse 19, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And I mean, they were locked up, they were shut up. And guess what happens? Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So Jesus appears. He passes through locked doors and joins himself with the 11 uh, disciples that were gathered there. In verse 20, when he said, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You think you'd be glad? I mean, I think that's kind of an understatement. Glad to see you, Lord. I would say, Jesus, it's you, you're alive. Your hands, look at those nail prints. Look at Simon, see those nail prints? Look at that. That's where they put the spear in his side. And this, this is Jesus, he's really here. He's risen from the dead. We couldn't fathom this, but Jesus told us this, we couldn't comprehend it, and now it's happened. Can you imagine what was going on in that room at that moment? Incredible. And, and then... Uh, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, he because he already said this, he's saying it again, sometimes pastors have to repeat themselves, you know, sometimes Jesus had to repeat himself, we see that here, peace be with you, Okay. Um, in other words, settle down, <laughs> as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you, what's interesting, immediately Jesus talks of the future mission, of what's to happen, the Father sent me to do my job. Now I'm sending you to do his job. Or Immediately he's commissioning them. Even in that moment, they're celebrating, they're having this great victory, but he's talking about the next, what's to come. And then, uh, even so I'm sending you verse or 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Bible theologians say this is where they receive the Spirit of God for salvation, to receive the new birth, to receive the life of God, to be born again. And later we see where they, they receive the Holy Spirit uh, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be empowered to serve the purpose of God. But here we see they receive the Holy Spirit for salvation. And then, verse 23 if you've forgiven, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So with the power of the Spirit of God in their life, they now have the power not only to receive forgiveness, but to release forgiveness. And so, that, and that's how we need to live our life. We need to constantly be receiving forgiveness for, for where we mess up, and then be releasing forgiveness to those who wrong us. Right? Okay? And so, then... Of course, Thomas wasn't there. He missed out. But I'm sure you heard about it, right? Wouldn't you want to tell Thomas what he missed out on? You should have been there, Thomas. (laughs) What were you doing? Um, And so verse 24 goes on to say, Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, think about this. You got these guys, and then Thomas is, is you know, challenging them, questioning them. Did you really see the Lord? And, and this is where we talk about Thomas's faith, because Thomas wouldn't believe in, in, unless he had evidence. And we'll see that here. Um, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side. I will never believe. Now, I hope that's not where you're at with your faith. But in the case of Thomas, Jesus met him where he was at. But I really believe it was to prove an important point that all of us need to understand. And then it goes on to say, um, verse 26, Eight days later, His disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Thank God he showed up for church that day, right? (laughs) He was with them. Um, Then he said, Oh, he was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. See, there's no locked door that can stop Jesus from entering. There's no locked door that can stop Jesus from entering your life, your situation, your circumstance. Okay, realize that. Then he said to Thomas, now he goes straight to Thomas, put your hand or put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. Verse 28, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And then verse 29, and I think this is relevant for all of us sitting in this room. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. That's basically, you are all blessed because you believe even though you have not seen. Because you're basing this testimony of Jesus not on what you've physically seen, but what you've spiritually experienced. By placing your faith and trust in him. Because you've encountered God. Maybe not in the way Thomas has. But you can encounter him in a very meaningful and significant way. So post-resurrection encounters. Recorded in the Bible is actually 10. That we see in the scriptures. So possibly 11. Or maybe even 12. You know, Depending what theologian or what scriptures you're actually referencing. So others would be the seven disciples by the Sea of Tiberias in John 21, verses 1 and 2, to 500, 500 people at one time on the day of his ascension. And 1 Corinthians fifteen six, we see where he appeared to James, uh, then to all the apostles, First Corinthians fifteen seven, And we also see the ascension in Luke 24, 40 through 53. Don't worry about those references. I'm putting them out there. You can go back and watch the, podcast if you want to write them down. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, because this also kind of covers a narrative that we need to understand about the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 8 says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Jesus Christ, or that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Notice it's always in reference and accordance to the scriptures because the scriptures prove and validate everything concerning Jesus, concerning Messiah. And then, verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. And that's when this was written by Paul though some have fallen asleep. That means they passed away. They're no longer with us. Then verse 8, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And that occurred on the road to Damascus um, when he was on a mission to arrest Christians, have them put in prison and executed. And yet God intervened and encountered Paul in his mission and then verse 9 for I am the least of the apostles unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. So and so we see Paul's encounter in Acts chapter 9 if you want to look at that at some time. But in Acts 23 verse 11 Paul is going through an issue. He's in Jerusalem, he's arrested, he's falsely accused. And now what do I do? And in Acts 23.11, the scripture says, The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for you, have been testi- for you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. So Jesus appeared to Paul in that moment. by he stood by his side and said, Hey, just chill. You're going to be okay. you got to go to Rome. okay?" <laughs> and then Revelation, the very end of the Bible we see, John, the apostle John, has a vision, has an encounter with Jesus. In verse 17 of chapter 1, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus appeared before John the apostle on the island of Patmos, where he was exiled. For the rest of his life. Because that was a dude. They tried to burn him in oil. He didn't die. They, they tried to kill him in different ways. The guy just wouldn't die. And everybody thought. Well he's going to live till Jesus returns. But he wrote the final book of, of, of the Bible. Revelation. And this was an encounter where he met him. At that time. So that's past encounters. Okay. What about present day encounters. Present encounters. Present encounters. And I believe that this is in reference to the outpouring of the Spirit of God in the earth today. And God has poured out His Spirit, is pouring out His Spirit, and will continue to pour out His Spirit in the time period that we're living in. I believe that an encounter with Jesus is to experience the presence of God. To encounter Jesus is to experience His manifest presence where it becomes tangible In where you are acutely aware that God's here. You, you sense his holiness. You sense a reverence for his presence because he's there. Um, I, I want to share with you a, a testimony about a woman called Amelda Namatebi. Now, she is a pastor in the nation of Uganda, and she pastors a church called Liberty Worship Center. Uh, in Kampala, Uganda. It's one of the largest churches in Uganda. Uh, her church has a 15,000-seat auditorium. I was blessed to meet her a number of years ago and actually uh, minister to her leaders at, at her church. And also, she, does, she did like a noon-hour business uh, session where from 12 to 1, all these business leaders right in the, the center of Kampala which is a—it's like the capital city of the nation, and all these business people come in. They had like about 1,000 business people fill this space downtown that they rented, and they, they gave me a microphone. I talked to them, okay? But what a wonderful opportunity. This woman had such a passion for God, but her testimony is that she was a Muslim, and she grew up with just witchcraft rampant in their home. This woman was tormented, this woman went through hellish situations. Jesus appeared to her and revealed himself to her and told her, go liberate my people. She embraced the call of God in her life. She had this personal encounter with Jesus. And as she was sharing this testimony with me, I'm thinking, this is incredible. She had a conversion into Christianity through a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I, I looked um, up in the YouTube and, and the 700 Club, they have some of these testimonies of, of Muslims having personal radical encounters with Jesus where he reveals himself to them in a dream or shows up in their room and they encounter Jesus and they give their heart to him. Uh, we have one of our pastors in our church network in Ghana um, that had an encounter. He was also Muslim, and Jesus appeared to him and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. Follow me. Now he's one of our pastors in one of our churches in Ghana. I mean, this is happening. These are present-day encounters with Jesus, where he's showing up in people's lives. And so, yeah, there's more I could say about Amelda, Pastor Imelda. Uh, her husband just passed away a couple years ago. I met that man. He was a businessman, a leader, and, and he was supportive of her, but He's made it very clear. She is pastor. (laughs) She's the pastor. I support her. But God's called me to be in the business world. And I thought this is a great combination. But he went home to be with Jesus a couple years ago. Um, But she's going on. And she said, just because my husband has left this world, I will continue to serve the call of God. I am not finished serving what God's called me to do. And yeah, go for it. So... Realize that a significant present-day encounter with Jesus is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as Jesus was preparing to leave, the day of his ascension, to be ascended into heaven, to be caught up in the clouds. In Acts 1, 8, Jesus made this statement, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and now Judea at Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So Jesus is saying, hey, uh, it's not over yet. I'm sending my spirit, and you're going to be filled and receive power so that you can be a witness. Now, what's interesting about that word witness, to be a witness, that means firsthand experience. And uh, I have to tell you this, we're running out of time here, but um, I um, once uh, got a speeding ticket. I was driving through Idaho, and I was driving the speed limit honestly at that moment because the Lord had convicted me, and that's, I keep it and then all of a sudden this cop passes me by his lights are going on he 's motioning pull over, pull over, and there 's two other vehicles up front, in front of me. He has them pull over. So he starts with the first one i 'm waiting i 'm waiting. He writes him up a ticket it 's the second one he 's up to me and I said, officer, honest to God, I was not speeding. And i have you clocked, et such et such And, such. and I said, well, okay, okay, I, 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 I don't want to be disrespectful, but uh, we need to have our day in court because I'm going to contest this. And so well, I had my day in court. Show up to the courtroom in southwestern Idaho, and um, I was defending myself. So I had prepared my case. I didn't need an attorney. I'm going to defend myself. And so I had a witness. It was my older brother who I live with, he was uh, uh, actually in the Air Force at Mount Home Air Force Base, and I was living with him out there, and I call him to the stand. And so they swear him in and everything, and they said, um, so were you with your brother at the time of this in- uh, incident? And he said, no, I was at home. He <laughs> said, why are you on the stand? You are not a witness because you weren't there. And I'm thinking, yeah, but he's, he's a character witness. He can attest that I'm an honest person, that I wouldn't lie to an officer. And he said, no. You, he just, get off this stand. <laughs> that judge was, and that judge is looking at me like with dagger eyes. I'm thinking, okay. So I hung up my attorney career at that moment, okay. <laughs> so, but then, And then, so I'm waiting for my sentence. And um, he said, uh, unfortunately, in the state of Idaho, the speed limit is still 70. And uh, we made a provision to reduce the speed limit to 55 by putting the signs out there, but really, technically, the speed limit is still 70. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) And he said, so... Your court costs and charges is $5. I said, did I hear $5? You know, this was back in, you know, the late 70s. So $5 was a little more then. But I thought, that's a pretty good deal. I'll I'll, I'll pay that. I can afford that. So I went home and thinking, oh, Lord, heaven help me, you know. So to be a witness, you have to have a first-hand experience. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. That means you will have a first-hand experience of who Jesus is so you can present him to the world around you and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Okay? And so, all right. All right. Acts 2.38, and we're going to share this in a couple more verses and then close. This promise, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That means even generationally, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So to be filled with the Spirit is a promise for us today in this present moment. So personal encounters, number three, life-transforming. So your testimony is the story of your encounter with God and what role that he's played throughout your life. And and I tell you, God wants to encounter you. I've had dreams where Jesus appeared to me in my sleep and, and met with me and talked with me. I've had encounters in his presence where I'm just standing in the empty auditorium here on a Saturday night, just worshiping God with worship music going on. And God's presence engulfed me and I felt him so tangible, so real, like he's here. Like I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything, you know, that would offend him. I've had radical encounters throughout my life of him just showing up in a time of discouragement, a time of need. And he wants to show up in your life too. And, and I, I could share lots of stories here. Um, but maybe we'll save that for another time. I'll share one. And this was a dream and I'm in this dream and I'm standing in the yard of the farm that I was raised on and I'm walking to the mailbox. It was early in the morning. I just left the barn. I had finished the choice and I'm walking to the mailbox. I don't know um, if there was mail out there but I'm, I, I'm in my dream. I'm watching the mailbox. I'm going towards it. And guess who just starts walking towards me? It's Jesus. And he's got this smile on his face and I said, good morning, Jesus. And I took his hand. I shook his head. Ah, I love you. And I kept walking towards the mailbox. And I'm thinking, what did I just do? Who was that? That was Jesus. And I just walked by, greeted him, acknowledged him. I'm on my way to the mailbox. I turned around and I saw the backside of Jesus. And then in the dream, he shrunk. like just just started shrinking. And I woke up and I felt God's presence in the room. And I, I said, Lord, what did I just encounter? And I heard these words in my spirit. How big am I in your life? How important am I in your life? Am I just to be acknowledged as you begin your day? Or do you want to spend time with me? I want to spend time with you. I want to be big in your life. I don't want to be small in your, in your life. I've never forgotten that. It's like I had that dream this morning or last night. It's that real you don't forget encounters with God, okay? Uh, here's a quote um, by S.D. Warnenberg. He says, those who have had a real encounter with God do not forget it easily. Let's seek his face and not settle for less. If you seek him, you will find him. So, well, God doesn't encounter me. Have you sought him? Have you looked to him? Have you spent time in prayer? Number four, future encounters. Once you've encountered the risen Savior, you will never be the same. See, I'm not done having encounters with God, and neither are you. And so we're going to close this service, and I'm going to pray a prayer over you. And this prayer is really for you to have an encounter with Jesus. And I was looking through the Bible and trying to find what's, what's a good biblical prayer that I can pray that's scriptural. That's scriptural. Because I believe the scriptural prayers are the most impactful. And so I found the one in Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to pray this prayer over you as a congregation. And so you can, you can turn there and look at it with me. But it's Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. And I'm, I'm reading the scripture as a prayer over you. And over those of you that have tuned in online this morning. Verse 14, it says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner man. I pray this over this congregation, Lord. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, Than all that we may ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, I do pray for this body of believers that they would have God encounters, that they would encounter your love, your presence, your wisdom, your peace, your protection, your healing and everything you are that they would come to know as their Lord, their Savior, their healer, their deliverer. Encounter them, Lord God. Encounter them. Those that say, God's never met me in a significant way, Lord, meet them. Meet them. Just as you met Thomas, meet them with an encounter, God. I pray. That's my prayer, Father, for this body of believers and for this city, for this community. Lord, let them encounter you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. There's a quote that I want to share with you. I think it's relevant as we close. It's by A.W. Pink. And as I share this, because as we close out this service, I'm extending an invitation to those of you that may be here that do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Because you can have an encounter with Jesus Christ today in this place the moment you give your heart and life to him. But this is A.W. Pink. He said, the nature of Christ's salvation is woefully misrepresented by the present-day evangelist. He announces a Savior from hell rather than a Savior from sin. And that is why so many are fatally deceived. For there are multitudes who wish to escape the lake of fire who have no desire to be delivered from the carnality and their worldliness. Yeah, they, they, they want to get out of hell card, get out of hell card free, rather than having a life of transformation. A life that's free from sin. A life that separates them from the world. In Acts 4.12, it says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I want you to stand up at this time. And this morning, If you're here, I just want you to take a moment and bow your head and you say, you might say say to me, Pastor Matt, I know my life is not right with God. And I'm at a point where I need to change and leave the path that I've been on and choose the path that you have for me. God has a path and a destiny for you, but it's your choice. It's you who chooses Jesus. I can't choose Jesus for you. It's you that must choose Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, and receive Him and receive His forgiveness. And so this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now. If you hear you say, Pastor Matt, I don't know Jesus as a in a personal way. Or maybe you had at one time and, and you've drifted, but now you sense it's time to come back, it's time to return. I want to extend this invitation to you. And simply by lifting your hand, you can indicate to me I'm willing to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm willing to make him the Lord of my life. I'm willing to receive forgiveness of sins. I'm willing to receive and embrace who he is, the Savior of the world, and accept him as my Lord. If that's you, lift your hand high so I can see it today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this prayer together. And I I call this prayer, the believer's prayer, as we believe God, as we pray and embrace him as our Lord and Savior, this can initiate a God encounter in your life where you can encounter the risen Savior. Pray this prayer after me, Heavenly Father. I open my heart to you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I so desperately need a Savior. Jesus, I open my heart to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Today I put my trust in you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Now the prayer team is gonna be up here after a closing song. They'll be with you to pray with you, to give you more information. If you desire to be filled with the Spirit, they will pray with you as well. God wants you to encounter Him today. Amen. I trust that you were blessed by the Word. Were you blessed by God's Word this morning? Let's give Him praise. Let's worship Him. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today.